Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Welcome, everybody, to Sparking Wholeness. This is Erin Carey, and today I am sitting down with Dr. Caroline Leaf. I am so thrilled to be talking about the brain and doing a deep dive on all things brain health, all things brain health. So let me give you a quick bio about Dr. Caroline Leaf. She is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology. She specializes in cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychology. Since the early 1980s, she has researched the mind brain connection, the nature of mental health and the formation of memory. She was one of the first in her field to study how the brain can change, which is called neuroplasticity, which I'm excited to touch on today, with directed mind input. She has helped hundreds of thousands of students and adults learn how to use their mind to detox and grow their brain to succeed in every area of their lives, including school, university, and the workplace. Dr. Leaf is also the best-selling author of Switch On Your Brain, Think, Learn, Succeed, Think and Eat Yourself Smart, and many more, including her latest book, which is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Dr. Leaf is currently conducting clinical trials using the five-step program she developed while in private practice to further demonstrate the effectiveness of mind-directed techniques to help relieve mental ill health problems such as anxiety, depression, and intrusive thoughts. The primary aim of these trials is to make mental health care more affordable, applicable, and accessible worldwide, and to reduce the stigma around mental health. So thank you so much, Dr. Leaf, for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to join you. Thank you. I am so excited to dive into everything. But before we get into the book, I would love for you to give an overview of what neuroplasticity even is, because there are some people that maybe they've never heard of it. And I know a lot of people think that we're just stuck with the brain we have. So I'd love for you to go into that. It's a great place to start. And it's a great place to also help people understand the difference between the mind and the brain, because there's such a radical difference between them. And when you understand neuroplasticity and what the mind is and what the brain is, it gives you so much more hope in terms of mental health. So um, I've been in the field 38 years and I've been researching the mind-brain connection, mind-brain-body connection, so psychoneurobiology for all this time in private practice, clinical trials, still do them. In my most recent book that you mentioned, I, I published some of that as well. So back in the 80s we understood that the mind and the brain were separate there was like no argument around that but there was this understanding that the brain couldn't change so I was trained by and when my neurology professors and neuroscience professors that you know, what the brain you've got that's the brain that you have and you just have to teach your patients to compensate and I remember thinking well that can't be the case because we are constantly having different experiences and with our mind we're experiencing those so our mind keeps changing and the organ is the mind and the, the mind the brain is the organ that the mind uses and therefore the brain is reflect is a way of us of reflecting what's going on so therefore if the mind must change if the mind changes the brain must be able to change 
And I remember asking one of my professors that, and, and they said, well, that's a ridiculous question because the brain can't change. And, and it wasn't until the mid-90s with the advent of MFR, fMRI that we it was fully accepted. But I, my research, I at that point started doing research um, and said, okay, well, give me the worst population, the most difficult population. And they said traumatic brain injury because once your brain's damaged, that's it. I said, okay. And I started, and it was a great challenge because I started working and working out understanding what is the mind? How does it work? If you direct the mind, can you change the brain? What does that look like? How does it impact cognitive, social, emotional functioning? And I ended up doing some of the first work in neuroplasticity in my field. And it was in, in the late 80s, early 90s, just when it was becoming something. So neuroplasticity is exactly what I've just actually said. It's the ability of the mind to change the brain. So the brain can change. That philosophy in the 80s and 70s was wrong. The brain can change. And we all talk about that now. But the brain doesn't change itself. The brain, if you are dead, your brain's doing nothing. But if you're alive, your brain is constantly changing. And that's because you are alive. You with your mind, you are your mind, literally dri are driving the changes in the brain. So neuroplasticity is um, the fact that, the, that our mind uses the brain to store our experiences in the form of thoughts with built in memories, so thoughts are made of memories, like a tree is made of branches and roots. And it changes all the time because we keep having new experiences. We have about 8,000 to 10,000 new experiences a day. And each of those is converted by the mind into the brain, changing the brain. Your brain is changing right now because of listening. And everything I'm saying is being processed by your mind into your brain. And, and it's changing the structure of your brain because it's being built into an actual physical structure that looks like a tree. And for those of you that are listening, I'm holding up a little green tree in a, in a, a pot. And this is literally what a thought looks like. And when we talk about neuroplasticity, we're talking about building these thoughts into the brain and it's changing the structure of the brain. So there's, there's these microscopic and chemical and genetic changes that are happening as you are listening now. And so your mind is processing this at 400 billion actions per second into these inside the brain and the brain's so the brain's never the same from moment to moment and um, the everything i'm saying would be the root section so as we know a tree has got a root section and the roots sits the seed and then the roots the roots are always the memories the source memories so what you hear so right now this podcast is about mental health and mind brain so everything i'm saying is in the roots and then your individual interpretation is in the branches so as we grow the roots mind takes in the what you're hearing and seeing becomes this genetic reaction and all these electrochemical reactions and, and these little protein branches are built then immediately at the same time your unique perception your unique identity interprets this based on your all your other experiences all your other thoughts with their memories and you build your own interpretation what you think feel and choose about this information and then that's how you build up a thought and that's how the brain is changing and what's beautiful about this is that this then becomes the source of what you say and what you do so if you go and talk about this information post podcast you're not talking from just fresh air you're talking from something you've actually built into your brain neuroplastically. And then you're talking about that. And when you talk about it, you get feedback and it adds more and it just keeps growing. So it keeps on changing. And that's the neuroplasticity. The beauty of neuroplasticity is that we can direct it because we are our brain. I'm sorry, cancel that. We are our mind. We are not our brain. Our mind is separate from the brain. The mind controls the brain. The brain is the organ of the mind. So in other words, the mind uses the brain as it's like storage facility. And, and its way of actually using all the different parts of the brain work together to express the, the brilliance of you. 
So the brain's phenomenally complicated, but that's because you and I are complicated and brilliant. So we need a brilliant mind. You need a brilliant brain to express our brilliance and to express our uniqueness. Now that's all good and well when it's going well, but then it can be toxic. But before I dive into that, I don't know if you want to unpack anything of what I've just said, because I said a bunch of stuff. <laughs> it is a lot, but it's, it really, it's a beautiful design. That's my first thought is, wow, how intricate, how detailed, how beautiful it is. And how cool that you have been able to unpack this and make it understandable for those of us who do not have a master's or PhD in all of these things, you know? Yeah, and it can be super confusing the way it's spoken about in the media. People throw out amygdala and prefrontal cortex and ventromedial cortex. And you're thinking, okay, what does that actually mean? You know, what is it doing for me? So I always try to make things a little bit more accessible. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And just, I think there's something you said in your book that, whatever you think about the most grows, is that what it is? And that's what I'm hearing the way you're explaining this. So maybe you could unpack that a little bit. Absolutely. And it's a really good point you've raised because like now, as we're talking, we're growing more branches because we are thinking about this, this content that we're focusing on. We're having an experience, this conversation around mind brain and listeners are having an experience around mind brain, mental health. And so as I'm saying more stuff, I'm giving more information, you're growing more roots. And as soon as you grow the roots, you grow the branches because that's your interpretation of. So you're thinking about this, it grows. And then if you go and um, get the book and read the book, and if you listen to the podcast and go and listen to more of my podcast, and in other words, as you get more information about this field, mind management and, and on, this thing just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. So, I mean, that's great because the more you grow, eventually over a 63-day period as you're growing this, you turn that thought into a habit. It becomes automatized. So it goes through phases in its development to the point where you, as you're building it into the brain, this knowledge, it becomes, um, it kind of shifts to a point where you can actually have this deep, intelligent understanding and then changes your behavior and it starts impacting your functioning. So think of a doctor who's going to med school and they, I've trained so many doctors, that's why they that example jumped into my mind and there's so much that they have to learn. So here they, they're learning and learning and learning and learning. And as they're learning in these cycles of 63 days, the brain is building act a memory that um, thoughts of memories that are actually usable, that'll impact your behavior. So you want to go to a doctor who's really knows this stuff if they're going to be doing surgery on you. So there's years and years of building in, in the um, of information in the brain, going to school, doing your, your field. So we keep on growing. Now that's all on the positive side. There's a negative side to neuroplasticity as well, which is the side that we don't really talk about maybe enough or understand. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to dig deeper into that. But before we do, this is a great place to pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Talkspace. Now, the world is racing to get back to normal and start meeting up in person again, but after the year that we've all had, getting back to feeling normal takes time. I know for me, just my schedule is amping up again. There are more in-person things to attend, and while it was hard to adjust to working from home and doing things from home, now it's like I'm having to readjust to my schedule being filled with activities and in-person events. And it just adds a new level of change for me. And traditionally, I, I have just not really been great with change. And 
gosh, if you're feeling overwhelmed by it all like me, you are not alone. It is so important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. And that's why I really love Talkspace and the idea of online therapy, because it's not just something, again, that you're having to add to your schedule to drive to. You can do it from the comfort of your home. The Talkspace app makes it easy to connect with your licensed therapist on your schedule without having to wait weeks before your next appointment. You can go anywhere and take your therapist with you. Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience, again, so you don't have to worry about getting overwhelmed. You can send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. You can schedule live video sessions with your licensed therapist from anywhere. Whether you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. There are thousands of licensed therapists available for you to match with, and Talkspace therapists are experts in dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more to help you start feeling better. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code SPARKINGWHOLENESS. That's $100 off when you use code SPARKINGWHOLENESS at Talkspace.com. Now, Dr. Leaf, I want to touch back on something you mentioned briefly, but I think it's really important to touch on. You, you talked about the 63-day period that, that helps automatize habits. I mean, that might be confusing for some people to hear because everyone hears 21 days. So. I know, and that's a myth, and I actually put that in the book too. It's a the myth that was um, kind of it was it was something that was thrown out there by a surgeon many years ago in the 60s and it was never proven but it got picked up it's one of those nice things and it's based on on a on a physiological fact in the body that if for example you have a blister it does take your body the immune system and the stem cells and all that stuff that whole process it works in cycles of, of 21 days so three weeks it takes more or less three weeks so if you have a blister basic blister it'll take about three weeks for it to heal and then if it's something more serious it'll take a combination maybe three or four groups of three weeks so six weeks or nine weeks or whatever so based on that principle um it kind of got absorbed into myth that uh, into sort of a mystical what no myth is right it gets got got caught up in the popular literature that it's 21 days to form a habit and so many books have been written by that but yet there's no actual scientific evidence of that except for what i've said in terms of the immune system and and by the biological process but when it comes to habit formation that is it's been shown now by my research and by a few other researchers very few of us that have done work in this field which is actually amazing um that it's 21 days is is enough to make a change but it's not enough to make um, a behavior change so what we do is we'll um, after about three weeks we'll have we'll be very aware that we've learned something new and we've developed a new skill but we won't have it um, we won't have it automatized which is the fancy term or the scientific term for habit formation to the point where it impacts our behavior so it takes an additional two cycles minimum of 21 days so around about six six weeks i mean nine weeks in total around about 63 days. I mean, it's not 63 days to the point, but it's in that region of about nine weeks. That that, that, that then turns the thought, which has become, um, it turns the thought into a habit that then impacts our behavior. 
Otherwise, it's just going to be, oh, I know I did something about that, but I'm not making the change. Or I know I should be doing that, but I'm not doing it. And that leads to so much frustration in people's lives. And this is where therapy can be almost negative sometimes. If a therapist um, or someone working with people, helping coaches and that kind of thing, if you don't know these cycles, people can work, they don't work long enough, so the changes aren't sustainable. And then you get a lot of frustration where people feel stuck because they've only got to that point and then they haven't gone further. And there's a very systematic way you need to push through the 63 days to make those long-term sustainable changes. So that's, yeah. and then I show that in my research and I've simplified it and I've put little graphs and I've shown that we saw things like at, six, at 21 days, we had things called gamma plasticity, which is um, a, a gamma peak, which is basically the different brain waves of the brain. Like now we're talking, if, if I had to put a QEG on your brain, we would see a lot of, a different activity with the different brain waves, delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma, doing different things. And because we have a nice, healthy, wise discussion, we would see a lot of balance. Um, if we were having a screaming argument, we would see a different pattern. If we were both, if, if one of us was having a lot of anxiety about something, we would see other patterns. And so in other words, the as, as our experience moves through the brain, the brain responds and we can pick up the general response of the brain or the sort of mood of the brain um, via the brain waves. And so when you're building in over these 63 days, we see that um, the, the consistent and deliberate daily and intentional mind work directing that neuroplasticity, we see a shift around about 21 days where you're very conscious and aware of building that, that particular skill or knowledge into your brain, knowledge and skill into your brain. And then suddenly it starts becoming, okay, I think I got this. And we see a definite, um, when you look at it graphically, we see a bold, bold, bold in what we call gamma activity, which shows learning is taking place. And then suddenly starts kind of dipping, which means it's automatizing, which means, and you want that to happen. And that takes another 42 days. And then it seems, and it moves into the non-conscious mind where it's very intelligently impacting how you're functioning. So every experience we have that we think about over those cycles become part of our psyche that influence what we do and what we say. They become our influences in our life. Wow. Okay. So the brain waves that's to me, I think right now my brain waves are just going like, woo, bouncing around. <laughs> Everything's trying to connect because that's such good information. I love it. But this neuroplasticity, as you mentioned, there's also a negative. So for people who are wrapped up in toxic thoughts, which you talk a lot about toxic behaviors, that is almost addictive to the brain, right? Well, it is because if you think of it this way, the brain is not an intelligent organ. It's not a lie. It's not, it's not something doing, it's not producing mind. It is a responsive organ. So it's extremely complex, but it's a complex responding organ. So if you did, it does nothing. And so the reason it's doing something is because of your mind, your aliveness, your ability to think, feel, and choose. So that's that whole neuroplasticity concept. So if we are um, in a negative state of mind, if we are experiencing trauma or we are just um, battling with a relationship or having an issue with a family member or um, at a work colleague or we frustrated with politics, whatever, whatever's going on in our life. And we've always got these things going on in our life. If it's toxic, it's still an experience. We're still processing it with our mind. I think feeling choose 
energy, which is also gravitational fields and electromagnetic forces and which are moving around you and through you. When a person's dead, those forces are no longer there. So there's all this energy force plus all this thinking and action that's stimulating all this brain activity and we're picking it up in different ways, like when fMRI is looking at like blood flow and oxygen and the QEG is looking at the brain waves. And you know, so we can see different ways that the brain is responding to the mind, but you wouldn't see if someone's dead. And where it becomes negative is that if we are having a toxic experience, so if, if we uh, read that email and it's really nasty and it upsets us, or someone is being very difficult in your life and they're manipulating or being narcissistic or uh, gaslighting you, or you um, go into social media and you feel like total imposter syndrome and you see everyone else's lives seem to be better than yours, and or you find yourself complaining a lot. So all those are kind of, um, are all, sort of toxic experiences that we are having and those are still processed into the brain but instead of them looking healthy i've got another little tree over here for the viewers they can see this but the listeners i'm holding up now a wiry looking dark gray metal toxic tree which represents a toxic thought because thoughts actually look like trees in the brain and so the green ones are healthy this is the toxic so whatever the experience is if it's toxic it's still built into the brain. It's still processed through the mind and this thing filled choose gravitational fields and so on. And it becomes part of the structure of the brain. Proteins form. But the proteins in a toxic thought, because the information, the experience is distorted, the proteins are distorted. The proteins hold the actual data. They hold the feelings and, the, and what's happening, but the actual stuff that you're experiencing, what the words that people are saying and the emotions that people are generating and the politics that you're reading, well, that's all in the little vibrations inside the proteins, but these proteins are distorted. So it makes a distorted tree, it upsets the chemical balance, and this now goes against our natural neurobiology, which is one of the green tree. We don't have neurobiology for this. So this is now a threat to our survival, much like COVID, the COVID virus or any kind of virus. This is as real as the COVID virus. It's also made of proteins, as is the COVID virus. So we know that the COVID virus is gonna stimulate an immune response in the brain and immediately this toxic response, this is now wired into the brain. So it has neuroplasticity in the negative sense because we've wired it in. Everything you experience, you can't control that. That is the process. You're alive, environments is there, experiences in the environment, you as the person in the environment experience the experience, you build it into your brain. But now it's toxic, it's a toxic source. And um, that there's the roots of the source and then the branches are your interpretation. So it's in the brain, it's a physical stru structure, your immune system responds, sends out inflammatory factors, inflammation occurs in the attempt to try and get rid of this. And our body responds because not only do we store this in our brain, but we also, the brain immediately then sends a signal to our body and we store it in our body. And that's why when, you know, when people we experience trauma, it's in the body too, or people do things like EMDR, it's putting it out of the body, into the brain and then into the mind. Whereas when you build it, it's mind, brain, body. With EMDR, it's body, brain, mind. And you know it happens very fast, but that's just kind of what's happening in terms of um, putting it up and then you've got to do the mind work of what you've pulled up to sort this out. So essentially this is being rejected by the brain and the body because it is unhealthy to the brain and body, causes damage, in affects our entire neurophysiology, increases our vulnerability to disease, damages our DNA, all kinds of stuff. So because of that, our, we have these systems in our mind and our brain and our body that reject this immune system, the, the, the reaction in our body will be, hey, pain in our body, that's telling us something, um, the, the, um, the feeling of dis, dis, you know, discomfort and depression and anxiety are all messengers that something is going on. 
So it's not that you have a disease of depression. You can't have it. Depression is not a disease. Depression is a symptom of this whole process, this whole thing inside of you. And what we need to do is recognize that symptom, not as some bad, evil thing that we've got to suppress or as a symptom of a disease like diabetes or cancer. It's nothing remotely like that. Um, or as a chemical imbalance, which is the most unscientific thing. And no scientist mm -hmm. worth a grain of salt would even talk about that. But yeah. that's what's been sold to the public. So it's not the public's fault that they have been told that because that's the message that's been sent out there. But that's all what it is. The good news is that depression is not a brain disease. Depression is reflecting something's going on in your life, that you have experienced something adverse and that it's okay. Like you said in the beginning, it's okay to experience that. And it's okay. We, every, every human has experienced depression and anxiety and panic and, and trauma all of us to different degrees at different stages of our life. We all have lots of different stories. We have good times and bad times. We have very bad times and we have very good times. And all of that's processing to our brain. So if you're alive and you're human, you are you are, have experienced mental health stuff. It's not just a few people. So when we hear statistics like 30% of people have had um, anxiety before COVID and now 90% of people have anxiety post-pandemic, post well, not post-pandemic, but now we're kind of getting through it. That doesn't mean that there's a disease that's increased or that mental ill health is on the rise. It means that more people have experienced adverse circumstances and haven't been able to process it very well. So they're responding to that with extreme anxiety. Totally normal to respond with extreme anxiety to COVID. That's not some disease. That's just a normal response to something scary. And so what we need is to know how to manage that process, to recognize the anxiety and the depression as a warning signal, a helpful messenger, then do the detective work to work out how you are interpreting the situation all the way down to the root and then to reconstruct this into something healthy that you can make work for you. Because let's face it, you can't change that COVID's happened to us. You can't change that abuse, that bullying, that trauma. It's happened to you, but you can change what's in you and there's neuroplasticity. So you can then with your mind recognize from the symptoms which are coming from your brain, from your mind and your body, pay attention to them and use those then to deconstruct and reconstruct. And that's the beauty of how powerful we actually are and that's that's what how we manage mental health yeah and and we are kind of stuck in i would say a lot of people are stuck in this antiquated idea of it is a chemical imbalance it is all biochemical there's nothing you can do this is just the way my life is going to be and i think that's why your work is so important and your book is so important to go oh wait I can manage my mind and and a lot of that unfortunately though has to deal with or has to do with greeting, I would say greeting or meeting these unpleasant emotions, unpleasant feelings. Yeah, I love that. I, I talk about embracing. If you embrace someone, you're embracing. And, and, and the research shows that mind plus research all around the world. There was a recent study coming out of Tokyo and Texas that did a combined study showing that in the East, there's this attitude. And I was so excited when I found the study because I just found that in my trials, that when you shift your attitude and you look at that, you embrace, you greet the, 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 the symptom of depression of, okay, I don't like feeling depressed. I'm feeling depressed, but I greet it. I welcome it. I embrace it. I see it as a helpful messenger. And then as soon as you do that, you shift control. You are now empowered to control that because now you see, okay, there's a reason I'm not depression. I am depressed because of. So it is a, it is a doing versus a being. It's not who you are. It's what you're going through. 
And as soon as you recognize it like that, then there's a shift and you have all these 1400 neurophysiological responses in your brain and your body that now start working for you and not against you and you have more resilience. And that's not to say it's not going to be difficult. I found with my patients and, and, and in my clinical trials that as people start facing stuff and things that they've potentially suppressed for years and they start facing it and the volcanoes exploded, which is what kind of happens when you start dealing with stuff. The volcano like finally explodes and you've covered in all this hot lava. It burning, it's scary, it's frightening. So we would have um, subjects saying in my trials things, and I had this with my patients, saying that I'm at the beginning of the trial, I am depression, I'm like everything just terrible. Then once they started mind management, by the, the third week more or less, they were saying, I'm not depression, I am depressed because of, and I'm even more depressed and more anxious, but in a good way, because I, because it's good because I now know why I'm depressed. So I have hope, I'm empowered, but it is depressing because that's terrible what's happened to me. So, and until we are aware of that, until we can can deal with that and go through the pain and 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 go back to like, the child the child you know there's all that in a child work and all the different things that you see all over social media and you know that people talk about so extensively until you you can't do that work until you're aware and you can only become aware if you look at the signals so from the signals you can then do the detective work and get to that point and then you will get worse before you get better it's the treatment effect and that's um, but but those same subjects by the time nine weeks came they were saying I actually feel a sense of peace because I've worked through the pain. I've progressed forward. I didn't get stuck here in the pain. I'm not just aware. I am actually aware and doing something about it. I, and there's a shift that happens. And I saw this. People often ask me, what is the shift that, that gets someone out of bed, out of that depression, or get, gets him to start you know, like moving forward again? And I hate to use the word responsibility because it kind of implies that because um, people in a very depressed state feel like they can't do it, that they're hopeless. And you want to build hope back in. So, so that's where as soon as people start understanding, hey, I feel like this because of, it's not who I am. I'm still beautiful, amazing, intelligent, incredible, but this has happened to me and it's damaged me. So there's a reason I'm manifesting like this. So if I slowly but surely find the reason, then I can redesign to find out who I really am and how I want this to play out. And it's when they make that shift that it's it, I can't change what's happened to me but I can change what's happening what's happening in me the neuroplasticity again then that's when people start shifting forward and that definitely takes I mean honestly with some of my patients it would take the first 63 days so nine weeks of therapy literally to just get them to the point where they would actually recognize that okay this this isn't me this has happened to me and that's when the shift comes and then the real work happens and then it's scary you've got to have courage to look at this and that's why i explain in the book the system i've developed to do this is called the neurocycle but i explain very carefully in my app and in the book that you know you, you do this slowly you don't do this all day long you just you allocate periods of time like 15 to 45 minutes once a day the rest of the day you don't think about that you have a little anchor called an active reach that that's what you think about it's something constructive and positive that is related to what you've learned that day you know so there's a lot of systems in place to make sure that you do the neuroplasticity correctly yeah, I love it. And so let's talk about your neurocycle method in the app and all of that, and um, maybe some of the results you've seen in studies, because I think that, you know, it's one thing to just 
talk about, oh, we're creating awareness for mental health and da, 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 you know, like, but without so the tools. Doing. Exactly. Oh, I love, I love what you just said. I'm a very practical person and I had patients coming to me with extreme trauma um, from war and sexual trauma and also from terrible abuse and learning disabilities that were very much induced from abuse and dementias and, you know, just like really sad, a heavy going stuff, people with very severe brain injuries, people that a lot of, a lot of adolescents that had been literally written off by the going theory at the time was that oh well at a certain point you can't do anything for anyone so that experience showed me as well as working in the apartheid regime I worked in South Africa mm -hmm. during the apartheid transition and the post-apartheid regime mm -hmm. three days a week so I got a lot of experience in the field I don't do lab work I go into the field and work with real people in real situations to to learn how to do that and that just showed me um the, the once the resilience of humanity and and the power of a person to, to the need of a person to feel empowered. And um, so what I showed with my research is that once you show someone, hey, this is what the thoughts are, this is what I'm telling you now, this is what you can actually direct this change and, you know, get, get an experience of it, walk them through something that's simple that they can actually feel the change. You then empower that person. And I showed that with mind management, with the system of the neurocycle that I developed to help meet the needs of these patients and people I was working with, you can be empowered to um, basically face that toxic issue mm. and deal with that toxic stress and see those barriers and obstacles um, as, as, as an opportunity to turn around and shift and move forward despite that. Um, that you, you can, I showed that you can improve your ability to do that by a factor of 81%. And there was no drugs involved. There was no, you know, I didn't even bring diet into to play. And I'm very hot on you know, eating healthy for the brain and that kind of stuff uh, for the brain and body, just eating healthy in general and exercise. But I didn't touch on those aspects. We just focused in, in this particular trial on mind, and uh, which is everyone's got a mind. The mind never stops. It doesn't even stop for three seconds. So if we've all got a mind and we manage it, what could that impact? do and so years ago I developed a theory and I wanted to develop a system for helping people to do this neuroplastic mind-driven stuff and so I learned about the science of thought and it's all very it was all a lot of a lot of research <laughs> and so everything's very meticulously put together so even though it's five steps and the steps are steps you'd recognize it's the way you do them it's the order that you do them in them it's the meticulousness that you apply and it's the and it's the system within the 63 days cycles that's when you're going to see massive difference because if you want to rewire your brain if you want to unwire a toxic pattern that has come from a toxic um, issue and that's manifesting in relationships in your life, whatever, it's going to take a lot of hard work and you need a system in place. So just a technique here and there is not going to work. You need to have a very clear system in place. And the, the neurocycle is not just for detox, identifying and detoxing a trauma, but it's also for growing the brain because that, that is builds resilience into the brain. You would do brain building first and then you would do detoxing second in any one session because the um, the brain building is learning new information it's growing all these healthy branches into the brain and that changes the neurophysiology where you're more resilient so you're stronger then to deal with the hard stuff which is detoxing and there's no limit to how much brain building you do it's the same you use in your cycle the brain building there's a whole chapter in this book on brain building and there's a, a little application in the app as well and we've got tons more the app's amazing too because it's very organic i'm always adding stuff to it and updating putting more videos and more programs and so the, eventually the, you, you can be having a panic attack and you can just go and press that audio guide and it'll walk you through a neurocycle you whatever we're adding all kinds of stuff in the moment there's 36 programs in already which is oh. quite plus the basic 21 day i mean 63 day 
five-step process. So the basic neurocycle and how to use it over 63 days and then all these other applications that you can use it for. So the, the based on all of that, there's like phase, the way you come into this whole situation is first of all, what we've been discussing. And that is that see um, the warning signals, the depression and anxiety, et cetera, as warning signals. See yourself as a detective. And you are and you are working out why you're showing up like this because there's a reason why you are like you are why you're doing what you're doing saying what you're saying feeling what you're feeling it's not just some random thing that you're crazy it's that you've experienced something and over time those experiences have resulted in the way you function so it's super important to have that shift and then it's very very important that you um, are very kind to yourself I mean kind I don't know podcasts and things on kindness it changes your neurophysiology as well so what i'm saying is that you come into the neurocycle in the way that i would prepare my patients and that you don't just dive in and do the hectic work you you teach yourself kindness you teach yourself how to it's okay you, you you've got to kind of literally stand back and observe your own thinking it's called the multiple perspective advantage talk about it in the book where you stand back and you actually go into you mode and instead of saying i you say you, and there's you and you. You're you, the wise mind, and you, the messy mind. So I talk a lot about the messy mind and the wise mind. And the messy mind, we've all got, and it's totally okay. The messy mind is what every single one of us has. Every human is part of our design. And that's how we experience life. The messy mind is at the front line. You don't know what events and circumstances are coming up. You can't control people. So everything is an experiment. And sometimes we hit the right spot, and we say the right thing, and we do the right thing. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get totally irritated, or we whatever. And then on top of that, there's all the toxic experiences that we can have where we are more of a, are, are a victim in terms of toxic people and toxic abuse and so on. But all of those, as we've been saying, are, are wound into the brain. So it's coming into the, with that strong mindset, it's okay, etc. And that changes on neurophysiology. 1,400 neurophysiological responses will start working for you instead of against you. So for example, you'll have more oxygen and blood flow to your brain because the blood vessels around your heart will, will um, dilate instead of constricting. Whereas if you see, oh, this is terrible, I've got a brain disease, I'm going to be like this the rest of my life, 1,400 neurophysiological responses will work against you. And the stress response, which is designed to help you be more focused and, and intelligent, will actually work against you. And this is not something that's spoken about enough. And that's why I'm stressing this, is that the neurocycle comes with really nice packaging where you, where you come in with all this attitude. So therefore, it's a delivery system as opposed to a technique. And you can put any technique you want into it. You can do any form of meditation, green juices, exercise. It can all fit in. But if you're not managing your mind correctly and driving your neuroplasticity correctly, it'll be very messy. So the neurocycle teaches you how to get the messy mind working with the wise mind. And our wise mind is that inner core wisdom that every human has. In neurobiology, we see that the, the brain and the body are wired for love. There aren't any structures, organ systems, down to the proteins, subatomic particles that are, that are wired for toxicity. They're all wired for love. So essentially, we see that any, that's why something like a COVID virus or a blister would threaten, it threatens our body and our body heals that. That's why when we have a toxic thought, we have all these responses. It's all about survival, okay? So therefore, when we, are, when we come into this whole um, process of the neurocycle, we are, we are operating in this love mode. We are trying to, we are listening to our inner wise mind that is all about survival. We, and it's the, when we get into our wise mind through deep introspection, through really thinking things through deeply. So the five steps of the neurocycle, each step is, does different things in your mind, brain, and body. So I've got a table in here. It's, I think it's on page 189, where in the second half of the book, where I summarize 
um, the five steps and I explain like step one and then what it does in the, the brain response, body response, mind response. And so each step, step is doing these amazing things. Now you don't have to think about that because I've done the work, but it, when, for example, you do step one, you are now activating coherence between the left and the right side of the brain and specifically drawing oxygen and blood flow to the front of the brain and increasing more, um, getting more balance, what we call um, alpha symmetry as opposed to alpha asymmetry. So there's all these fancy things that are happening in the brain and the body that allow your brain and body to function at a higher level. So despite the damage that has occurred to the brain and the body because of our experiences, because our mind is messy and it moves through the brain and the body, we do damage the brain and the body. We, we, every toxic experience that's not managed is increasing the vulnerability of the brain and the body by 35 to 98%. The telomeres, which are the ends of chromosomes, which influence how our, um, the quality of our cells which influences the quality of our organs and therefore our body health, our influence are managed by our mind. So if our mind's a mess, our telomeres are a mess, our DNA is a mess, our cells are a mess, and we're making a million cells every second. So if our mind's a mess, our cells are a mess. That means our body's going to be aging quicker than our chronological age and is going to become more vulnerable. But that can be reversed. I showed in my research within nine weeks, my subjects were reversing, the, the, the telomeres were growing and stabilizing and getting longer, which is and like it's literally, it's really, really new research because we thought it took five years for telomeres to change. But I showed changes within nine weeks. And that's just, just pure mind management. And so that's really exciting because it means that as you are doing these five steps, you are changing your telomeres. If you don't know what they are, that's your DNA changing. For the, you're changing your cell health. You're changing your body health. You're setting yourself up, which cumulatively over time is creating a healthier brain and body, which then feeds back into the mind because it's a whole feed that loop going on and it helps you to manage more effectively so i mean that's like a lot of setting up the other side of the neurocycle is that we, we need to prepare our brain and our body so when we're going to go into a direct activity where we're going to detox and i recommend people do 15 to 45 minutes a day in in these in these 63 day cycles um, when, when we're preparing you'll see in the neurocycle app i have a two to three minute prep brain prep mm -hmm. exercise it's also in the book and brain preparation is things like meditation breathing exercises i mean there's a million of them out there so i've just selected a few of my favorite and put them into the app and we're adding more all the time but it's really important to prepare the brain so then you've got the whole mindset and you've got the brain preparation and i just want to make a note here that when people do things like meditation you're bringing stuff into the awareness. But if you're just aware of something and you don't manage it, it'll, you'll get worse. And I show that in my research too. Your anxiety will just increase. So this has been a lot of criticism of just mindfulness meditation alone. You can't just be aware. You have to go beyond that. And that's what the neurocycle does. So it's a systematized five-step process that is taking you deeper and deeper into the depths of your mind and your brain, getting your non-conscious and your conscious brain to work together to be able to, be able to then solve this problem, to be able to embrace toxic thoughts from the warning signals all the way down to the root cause which is the cause of and then reconstruct that or reconceptualize that into a healthy thought so that what's happened to you is always going to be there but it's gone from that ugly thing into this beautiful little green small little green plant so that big ugly dark toxic tree has been converted to this is my story inside a big beautiful green tree which is how i want to to become 
So for the first 21 days, you're going to do the five steps for around 15 to 45 minutes. And then for the second phase of 42 days, you just do step five for about seven minutes. And that process literally transforms this into this and changes your life, seriously. And sometimes you might do multiple cycles if you have like heavy trauma. As, as you do one cycle, you, you may only unpack this much and realize, oh, I've got to go back and do another one and unpack this. And so I'm talking about a lifestyle, a complete lifestyle change. So that's kind of the big, big picture. I love that. And what I love about the app too, is that it's, it's actually your voice, right? Like you are the person, it's like having you as a personal coach the whole yes. time. Okay. It's literally like giving you therapy. So yeah, it's, it's my, I, read, I wrote it, scripted it, for, um, edited it, for, I mean, I recorded it, filmed it. So it's me doing it. It's, it's totally driven. I have a team, obviously a technical team and producers, but yes, it's my voice. That's great. Yeah. And, and I really am so glad that you emphasize the importance of how our brain and our, our thoughts impact our, the rest of our body, because I have seen that firsthand with somebody very close to me going through a period of a lot of stress and they began experiencing physical health symptoms that no doctor could figure out. Yeah, they don't know where it comes from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, and, and that is so true, but it's underemphasized and we don't talk about it enough. So I appreciate that you touch on that. That's, that's really important. There's a sort of understanding. Yes, our mind does it get effect, does affect our body. But then when it comes down to brass tacks and someone's got serious issues physically, it's, it's like the last thing they think about is to, you know, to what, what are you going, what is it? What, and then there'll be a little comment, oh, well, maybe you should do some meditation for stress or go and do some <laughs> yoga. Now, I'm all for those, but that's not enough. You mm -hmm. actually have to do the work of your mind is driving everything. Your mind's not working, you're dead. <laughs> so basically, your mind is activating every gene to express every part of your body to function. So that has to be addressed. And there are some people who've done work and have shown like back pains directly associated with how your man, mind is managed. You know, so it's and there's more, more and more and more studies coming out like that. And that's a huge area of my work. Yes. And I love I'm so glad that you're addressing this. And I know we're running out of time. So I definitely want to ask you one of my favorite questions, which is, you know, the name of the show is Sparking Wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice that sparks someone toward wholeness, what would it be? I would tell them manage your mind and the beautiful thing there is that neuroscience research shows us that we can actually managing our mind is basically self-regulation and we can actually do this every 10 seconds so while we're awake from the moment we're awake to the moment we go to sleep we are totally capable of training ourselves to observe our thinking feeling and choosing all the time and regulating so that it doesn't get out of control so you have an experience, you have a conversation, and then your mind, and and you say the wrong thing, but because you mind matching, you can catch that, and you can fix it, you can work through the neurocycle within five seconds, and fix it, so not only is the neurocycle, and the tool of mind management for the big stuff, the traumas that you work daily, but the moment by moment stuff, as we in life, and working, and being a parent, and being a leader, and doing whatever it is that you do, just being alive, with the ups and downs of, of life, that mo it helps you with the moment by moment. And that's what I would say it totally sparks. Uh, it sparks the feeling of, I can do this. I've got this. Mm -hmm. And and acceptance, it, it's okay if things aren't bad. I mean, they aren't good all the time. I, I reckon it's not nice, but I'm not thrown by it. You know, that, that seems, that's kind of what would spark, sparks me, is I feel very empowered yes. knowing that I have that level of control. Yes, I love that. And, and I will say, I have to throw this in there because somebody listening might still be believing this, but the worst thing I was ever told as a teenager when I was diagnosed with a mental, mental illness was you will struggle with this the rest of your life. Uh, that is what they told me. And it is 
not true yeah. at all. Evil. I mean, it's like literally, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a harsh statement for you to make, but it's, it's, it's evil. And thank yeah. God you didn't take that into for too long. Obviously it affected right. you, but it's, you know, now you're doing what you're doing. So obviously you've counted that so well done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's like the worst things. Absolutely. There is every brain. Your brain is always changing. So once mm-hmm. you have the tools of mind management, once you understand this concept, and that's why I've spent so much time emphasizing the concept um, that, that once you have that knowledge, you can see, you can change that. I mean, I have seen some of the worst the kid, kids that were adult, teenagers that were written off by doctors as vegetables, go and get degrees and become top in their field. And, and they've been written off. I have seen people that were suicidal, get through it and get to the other side. I've seen people who could not get out of bed, get to the other side. I've seen people completely broken to the point where they're so anxious that they cannot function, get to the other side. So really it's not just one, it's thousands that I've had the privilege of seeing. And even in my own close family, I mean, we all go mm-hmm. through stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, even my own, myself, I tell you, mind management, when we understand our mind, that thing of you will always struggle, should be paraphrased that, hey, what you experienced, you were battling with mental health because of a whole bunch of stuff that mm-hmm. happened to you. And here's how we will deconstruct and reconstruct so that you can get that struggle under control. And yes, more things will come along. <laughs> as a system, you can get it managed, but you, you're not, that is not your future. You determine how your future, how your past plays out into your future. That's what they should have said to you. Yes, I yeah. totally agree. <laughs> but that's why we're here. And that's why we're having this conversation. <laughs> so... Where can people, con- you know, learn more about you, follow you on social media, get your books, all of that? Absolutely. Well, Dr. Caroline Meef is my social media handle. And from there, you can Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you can get everything. Uh, webpage, drleaf.com. And then the book is available on my website. It's also wherever books are sold around the globe. The NeuroCycle app's available um, at Google, uh, Google Play and iTunes. And then my podcast is called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. And that's available wherever you listen to podcasts. So... There's lots of places to get lots of information. Yes. Well, you are a wealth of information. And I'm just so grateful that you took the time to discuss all of these amazing and wonderful ideas. And I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful for the work that you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And thank you for what you do. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.